What's up? Good morning. Wow, it seems like there's uh, quiet today. Uh, three. Okay, slowly people are coming in. Three people in the chat. <laughs> oh, what's up, all three of you? Tyron, what's up? Um, good morning. Oh, you know what? You guys have that time shift, hey? Is it daylight savings or whatever the case may be? Maybe that's why Mike's not here. It's 4 a.m. my time. So this is the usual time for me. What's up, Sammy? What's up, Gail? What's up, Colby? What's up, Tamira? What's up, Deja? Yeah, that's probably it. You guys have got the, the daylight saving thing. So um, time shift, yeah. Uh, that's probably why. That's probably why. So we're we're a whole hour out. We didn't think of this. We didn't discuss this. So uh, that's obviously why he's still he's still busy. Um, that's obviously why he's still busy. So we'll we'll have to get up on that. Um, so I think possibly. Um, yeah. So I think possibly what I'll do is is i will i will end the stream and i will wait i will wait for mark to to let me know um because <laughs> it's probably he wants to discuss um fear living in fear as well as eternal security so we'll be discussing that subject again i know we discuss it often um so we'll be going through fear um and eternal security and how the two um, affect us our walk every single day we'll be diving into that but obviously i'm an hour early um well not really i'm on time but you americans and the uk and america that have to do the whole night time shift and daylight savings and all this jazz um <laughs> so that's obviously why i'm here and and there is no there is no mic so um we'll have to probably <laughs> probably kick this off again <laughs> in 50 minutes so come back in 50 minutes um i'm gonna end the stream i'm gonna tell mark i started um i'm like trying to message him i'm like where are you at but obviously at eight o'clock he's still busy with uh, his kids and trying to get them sorted so that's obviously why he's not here yet um no, Michaela, time change is not a worldwide thing. In South Africa, we've also only got one time zone. Um, we're a small, small country, so we've only got one time zone across the country. Uh, we don't have, like America, have got three, three time zones. We've only got one time zone, and um, we never shift. We never shift. Our times um, stay the same. Been searching for a church, and yesterday the pastor's message only used six verses. Feels empty compared to y'all's videos. Uh, Devin, that's a good question. Um, yeah, search for a church that 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 sticks to biblical exegesis, that um, takes a passage of scripture and unpacks that for you. Um, for example, our our sermon on on Sunday was on Matthew fifteen. Um, and it was on the passage um, with the Gentile woman um, who wanted her daughter delivered from demons. And at first glance, we see Jesus Christ say, 
he only came for the the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and it's not good to give the children's food to the dogs. Um, but then he goes on to heal her. And uh, the metaphor there, we see the first, we see the first glimpse at salvation to the Gentiles. We see how Jesus Christ reaches out to even those um, who are completely lost, considered dogs by the world, and they salvation is for everyone. Um, yeah, absolutely, Selena. I am early, um, uh, but I'm not early. It's 4 a.m., uh, so I'm not early. Um, you'll just go and change the clocks. You, you know, let's let's just change the time zones. Let's just shift the shift the mark. Um, so I'm on time. I'm right on time. I was like, "Where's Mike? What's happening?" It's quarter. It's five past four. So now it's it's quarter past four in the morning. So generally, we we're, we're 15 minutes into the podcast by now, and um, yeah, I couldn't get a hold of him. So. How do you deal with walking alone when it comes to Christ? I feel super disconnected from my friends ever since I started walking with Christ. That's wow. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> looks like I'm going to hang out here anyway. Um, that's a great question. Um, and you're going to feel that you're going to feel alone. Um, you know, I had, I had friends before Christ who I consider to be um, my brothers and um Ultimately, when you when you decide to follow the Lord, um, your spirit no longer lines up with their spirit. And Paul tells us very clearly in 1 Corinthians 11 to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. A lot of people like to use that for uh, relationship advice, but that is advice across the board. Friendships um, and all relationships that you are trying to build, if they're not believers, we, we make the mistake thinking, okay, well, they'll come to the faith because of us and because we're believers, they'll automatically become believers. And, and that's that's not something we can do. Um, Paul also tells us very clearly in the scriptures that, you know, he sowed, um, Apollos watered, and God brought forth the increase. God brings the growth. So, again, we, we live our lives according to the Bible. We walk according to the way we are told to walk. Um, you are going to lose a lot of friends, but you are going to gain brothers and sisters in Christ because brothers and sisters in Christ easily recognize um, other Christians by the way they conduct themselves, by the way they speak, and more than that, by the way they love one another. Um, and I think this is one of the most uh beautiful parts of John. You know, what does Jesus Christ say to us? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And um, by this we see, we see, and that's actually what I'm busy with. I'm busy with uh, an exegesis uh, on, on, on the gospel of John. I'm busy unpacking the gospel of John. And uh, man, I was, I've been busy with John 14 through 17. And there's so much there. There's, there's about 100 sermons in, in John 14 through 17. So definitely a fantastic gospel. I saw that, Mike. Man, so I'm on time. Everyone else is like, why are you early? Why are you early? Why are you early? I'm like, I'm not early. <laughs> I've arrived on time. Um, um, yes, I can see the chat. I can see the chat. Um, I can see the chat. So if you guys have any questions um, on eternal security, then by all means, uh, ask. Unfortunately, my aunt was one of the leading reasons daylight savings. <laughs> really? Um, 
yeah, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't know. I think if you had to put daylight savings in a country like South Africa, people would stop showing up for work. It would completely confuse the system. So all we have is in, in the winter, the sun comes up much later. And in the summer, the sun comes up much earlier. So we don't have a, a time shift. Well, he technically... <laughs> legit he isn't he isn't late because of the time shift he isn't late um i'm actually a, an hour early um which is like again it's crazy it's crazy to even think like this <laughs> but that's that's where we at that's where we at yeah uh anyway it is what it is. He'll be in 45 minutes so we'll we'll pick up the podcast in 45 minutes this was like a <laughs> like an early welcome. Hey, y'all, we'll be live in an hour. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous, but whatever. Whatever. How do I at... Oh, no, I don't know how to do that either. How do you add people in the chat? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Tyron is a, a fellow brother of, uh, in Christ. He's with me in South Africa. And uh, he'll tell you um, with the general South African proverb is we've got something called South Africa time. And, and, and as Tyron will tell you as well, South Africa time means if someone says they will see you at 8 a.m. That means they'll be there anytime from 9 to 10, p 10 a.m. If someone says they'll come around lunchtime, then that's generally between one and three in the afternoon. And if someone says they'll see you in the evening, then that's like after seven, eight p.m. Um, South Africa time, people just don't stick to time. And may God have mercy on your soul. Absolutely. So you know what I have forgotten, which I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be doing tonight is the. I'm going to go live on TikTok later um, to do the draw to do the merch giveaway draw. I've completely, uh, last week was just crazy. And with Dom being in hospital, I just threw everything off. Um, so I apologize to everybody that was waiting, but I'm going to do the merch drop um, later on. I'm going to do a merch drop later on. And um, yeah, it will be an opportunity uh, for whoever is on the board to uh, win some merch. Um is it always hot in South Africa? Um, no, 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 no. We Our winters, especially in Johannesburg, get pretty cold. Um, down the coast, um, uh, down the coast it's warmer, but Johannesburg gets pretty cold. We, we're in the, uh, we're in the upper, we're in the mountains. So um, it's, we get some, we get some snow. This last winter, we got some snow, um, and it gets very cold. Yeah, bro. We need to bry, my bro. We need to bry, absolutely. My son is strong. He's healthy. He's uh, he's back on his feet, um, which is awesome. Um, thanks for that, Selena. Um, I love your merch as well. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be doing that merch drop later. Maybe I'll do it after this podcast quickly. Uh, you'll all be sleeping, but it doesn't matter. Whoever wins, um, I will tag you. You don't have to be on the live. Whoever wins the merch, 
um, I will then tag you and then whoever wins must just drop me an in inbox and I will send you the voucher for $150. Yeah, so we, Mark and I are going to discuss eternal security again because it is, a, it is a topic we need to bring up again and again and again. So many Christians still battling with eternal security. Can you lose your salvation? Can you walk away from your faith? Um, and, and we see throughout the Gospels, throughout Paul's message, um, throughout Peter and James, those who are saved are saved, um, and those who are not, are not. My TikTok is at TombsMTBro, at TombsMTBro. That's the, uh, let me put it up, let me put it up. Um, There we go. That's my TikTok handle. Three and a half hours of work. Jeans. Yeah, I can. I can actually do a live and, and uh, show you our part of the world. That's a good idea. It's not a bad idea at all. I'll uh, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, if I get the right help, I will do a live when I go out and preach on the streets. I generally go alone. Um, and as Tyron will tell you, um, waving your phone around in South Africa is not actually a, a smart thing to do um, because it will get stolen. Um, most places I preach are not um, the safest places in South Africa. And um, my phone generally... Uh, doesn't come out when I evangelize because of thugs. Um, so if I get the right help and uh, God sends me the right crew, then that's that's definitely something I will I will eventually do, like like uh, Mike and um, Justin do Tyler um, when they do live streams um, while they street preach. That would be something I would love to do. Um, but again, I need the right crew. Parts of South Africa is dangerous. Yeah, definitely parts. Parts of South Africa is very dangerous. And then there are parts that are not dangerous at all, that are beautiful, um, secure, safe. Um, and again, the closer you move to the inner city, the more dangerous it becomes. Um, but the outskirts are, are fairly safe um, and good. Obviously, we, we've got a lot of petty crime in South Africa, and that's that's mainly because of our government that have absolutely dropped the ball and and have not you know have not held up to the promises they've made to the people who vote for them. So we we deal with a lot of petty crime in South Africa, which is uh, theft, um, and uh, it's uh, absolutely yeah probably the main thing we have is like petty crimes like theft stealing of phones and cars and stuff like that brother in james he speaks about faith without works is dead assuming this has nothing to do with salvation beautiful question bro um i've addressed this on my live streams so 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 many times so paul is saying the same thing um and and most people don't understand this paul is saying the exact same thing um 
James is just more direct in his approach. But if we take Paul's epistles, especially his letters to Romans and Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, and we see how Paul confronts sin and faith, we see Paul is saying exactly the same thing. So what is James saying in James 2 when he says faith without works is dead? He is literally saying, okay, so picture it like this in layman's terms. I'm a Christian um, and you're a Christian. Um, you're my neighbor. Um, I've got a fridge full of food. I've got a pantry full of bread. Um, I'm stocked and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lacking nothing. But you can't put food on the table for your your wife and your kids. Your fridge is empty. Your pantry is empty. And I come over to your house. I see that you have got no food. I see that you've got nothing to drink. And I say to you, oh, that's, that's too bad, Tyron. Um, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you that your situation turns around when I know I am capable of just walking across and filling up your pantry, taking half of what's inside of my fridge and giving it to you. Um, and this is a game. This is this is a game why why James is putting his emphasis on faith without works is dead. He's just simply looking at a group of Christians who are claiming that they have faith in Christ, yet they cannot reach out to help their own neighbors and the people who are so, who are within their city, within their town, within their reach. Um, when we say we have faith, our faith will be displayed. Um, James is not talking about salvation at all. He is not addressing a salvation. It's not a salvation problem. It's not a salvific issue. Paul says the same thing. Paul says to us to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Paul says to us to walk worthy of the vocation. Paul says to us in 2 Timothy that we are to, we are to abhor that which is evil, to cleave to that which is good. So again, when it comes to our faith showing or expressing our faith. This is how we express our faith by helping those in need. Um, uh, exactly like all of you have done, those who have been involved in the Bible ministry, um, who have, like, guys, I can't even, I, there's no words that I can, that I can actually put on the table to say how grateful I am to God and, and, and using all of you. Um, like, there's always been someone. Um, there's always someone who rises to the occasion and, and gives more than we need. Um, and thanks to this, we've, we've, we've hit like a nice steady, steady stream of Bibles. We've got Bibles. I mean, I've got, I've got quite a few Bibles in, in terms of the ESV and the CSB. I've got quite a few of these Bibles. And again, if you know anyone who needs a Bible, then let, let them hit me up and we'll send them a Bible we'll send them a Bible free of charge. Um, so again, um, if I say to someone, I'll pray for you when I'm able to do more than pray for them, I'm not expressing my faith. And, and this is what James is addressing. We also see that, that James is addressing converted Jews. James is addressing a audience of people who knew the law, who knew the law of Moses who ultimately came to the knowledge of the truth in Christ, who um, possibly Acts 2.38, who got, who got baptized, who repented, who accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah, um, and he's addressing them. Now that you are walking in this truth, 
this is the way you conduct yourself. Um, again, he's not saying any of them are unsaved. He's just, again, ushering the warning that if we are Christians and we are able to do things, um, we should do them. We shouldn't say, uh, sweet man, I'll pray for you, um, when we're able to do more than pray. So hopefully that that helps. Selena also asked one question off topic. Whenever you've evangelized to people, has your entire body ever shaken? And have you ever felt like a force field in your way? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And 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 that's just that's just fear. That's just fear. And I think when I first started, um, the biggest lie of the enemy is is he would love to remind you of of your past. Um, you're not worthy to do this. You're not qualified to do this. Um, you shouldn't be doing this. Um, and and that's most people don't evangelize because of of fear of self, because of who they once were, because of the sin they once lived in. So most people are reluctant to evangelize purely because they're they're fearful. They're fearful of you know themselves um, and the past. So again, uh, pray through it, pray through it. Um, <laughs> God will, God will give you the words. I always look at the, the passage in, in, in Luke, you know, if they drag you to court, do not worry what you will say because the Holy spirit will speak for you. And, and this is ultimately it. Um, and for those of you who have never heard when I've explained how to evangelize on, on my lives on TikTok. You know, I, I love to use the the example with with Jesus Christ um, and his apostles. He removes all the communicated knowledge, um, and then he he establishes who he is and why he came. And then he says, Peter received this knowledge not by men, but by revelation, but by divine impartation from God. Um, and this is generally what we do when we are evangelizing: ask the relevant questions. Ask people who Jesus Christ is. Ask people who they think Jesus Christ is. By this, you will remove all communicated knowledge. You will remove all communicated knowledge and you will be able to get to the heart of the problem. Um, because most people don't even understand the gospel that saves. Most people don't understand Ephesians 2. Um, most people don't understand Ephesians 1.13 and 2 verse 8 and 9 and 10. They don't understand that. So there's a perfect example um, of what you just said um, uh, to you, Tyron. So when we look at, look, look at, look at um, Ephesians, if we look at Ephesians chapter 2, I'll show you my point. So if we go to Ephesians chapter 2, um, from a lot of people love to read verses 8 and 9, but leave out verse 10. So if we go and read verse 10 as well, you'll see how he is not saying anything different than what James is saying. So he says to us in Ephesians 2 verse 8, For by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So there we see in verse 10, he says, we have been preordained to these good works. So when James is saying faith without works is dead, he is simply saying that you cannot, you cannot, 
do anything on your own. Everything we do by faith is the Holy Spirit working through us. This is why I'm not going to walk around and boast about the poor people I feed every day because it's got nothing to do with my salvation. It's also not, it's not good for me to boast in, 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 in the work that I do. As we see very clearly from Matthew chapter 7, have I not done many wonderful works in your name? And Jesus Christ will turn around and look at them and say, get away from me. I never knew you. You workers of iniquity. You workers of lawlessness. Um, again, we cannot stand before God and boast in anything we have done. So every good work that abounds out of the Christian, out of the believer, is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is why he says, if anyone is going to glory, let him glory in the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 7, we see the same thing. We cannot boast. Boasting is not for us. It's not for the Christian. The Christian life is a life of humility and gratitude. Every time we are able to do something for someone else, this is only because the work of the Lord is abounding within us. And the Holy Spirit then, he takes over and these things happen. This is why you have that conviction to, to help certain people. This is why if the Lord lays it on your heart to do something, you do it because you have that conviction. The Holy Spirit is working through you. So that's that's what it all comes down to. Is it boasting that when I do help people, I feel good about myself? Like I think, I think God would be proud of me because I help as much as I can, but I never tell anyone when I do it. Again, um, it is, it's not wrong to feel good that you have done the work of the Lord, and it's not good to boast in the fact that you have done a good thing for God. But again, don't, that word proud is closely, you know, that's where we get the, the word pride from. Um, glorify God. Glorify God in, in, in everything you do. Glorify God. And he will make your path straight. That's, that's what the psalmist says. You glorify God in everything you do and he will straighten up your path. Yeah. One Opinions chapter 3. Again, but what is the basics? The basics, the simplicity, the simplicity of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. He's God incarnate. Jesus Christ came. He is God incarnate. He was promised by the prophets. We see this in Romans chapter 1. Well, Romans chapter 1, in the way Paul opens the letter, this is the gospel that was promised by the prophets. So the gospel has arrived. Jesus Christ has arrived. This is the good news. The Messiah came. God in the flesh. He walked and talked and lived out the law of Moses perfectly. No one on this planet could attain righteousness on their own merit. No one on this planet is without sin. For we have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And we rely on what? The fact that Jesus Christ came, as we see, he came into the world to pay for sin. John 3 tells us very clearly, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And then we go on and we read more because love, a lot of people love to quote John 3, 16. We read more and it says, for God, Christ came into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But this is the condemnation that people choose their sin. They choose the life of hatred and, and hiding from God. They choose that life over the truth of Christ. So that is, those who haven't believed stand condemned already. Why? Each and every single one of us must die in the flesh. This flesh has to die. Unless, obviously, 
Jesus Christ comes and we get raptured on out of here beforehand, but everyone has to die in the flesh. So this is the lie Satan will keep spreading that you can live forever and you can somehow attain um, more in this life. And this is what they people are forever. Look at the movies. Look at the movies that uh, the narratives in the movies that we watch Hollywood. It's always living forever, futuristic, then if they, they're trying to keep your attention on, on the fact that your life isn't a fleeting vapor. And, and this is where we need to be, you know, we need to be awake as Christians. And we go, today is a gift of God. Today was not promised. So today we give God all the glory. Uh, tomorrow might not be here. Tomorrow might not come. And then we move on to explain to them, once we've explained to them that who Jesus Christ is in terms of his deity being the eternally begotten son of God, the lamb that was slain before eternity passed, then we get down to the nitty gritties of sin. Once we've addressed sin, then we address the cross. What is What did Jesus Christ do with the cross? Because this is why Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians 15, unless you have believed in vain. What does it mean to believe in vain? No one can believe the gospel if they do not believe that they have sins that Jesus needed to die for. People that think they're sinless or even Christians on TikTok that, that claim to have achieved sinless perfection. This is a this is a new age heresy that that has crept up um, and, and no one is sinless. There is not a single Christian alive today that doesn't sin every single day, whether it be in your thoughts or in your heart and even a moment a moment of, of, of bitterness creeping into your heart is a sin. It is a sin. And, and this is what Paul addresses very clearly in Romans 7 and 8. But now that we are in Christ, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to what? Who walk not according to the flesh. There's, there he says it again. He says this as well in Colossians, we do not use the liberty that we have as an occasion to the flesh. We do not satisfy the flesh in Philippians as well. What does he say? Philippians 2.20, for me to live is Christ, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he's walking according to the vocation. He's walking according to the faith. We do not walk according to the flesh. We do not lust after the flesh. That's why I say Christians don't wake up going, who can I murder today? How can I cheat on my wife? These are not, these are not premeditations that go through the Christian mind. We abhor that which is evil. We abhor that which is evil. And we cleave to that which is good. And... Um, this is this is the the danger. Yes, reincarnation, another another dangerous dangerous lie. Everybody that dies has to face judgment. What does Paul say to us in Second Corinthians five? For it is appointed unto every single man to to die, to live, die, and then face the judgment seat of Christ. Again, for the believer, this is not a a judgment of God keeping all a record of all your sins. No, your sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been blotted out. So your sins, <coughs> excuse me, are not going to be mentioned um, at the judgment seat of Christ. Rather, we see that for the unbeliever who has died in their sin, they will be judged by the entire law of God because God is perfectly just. So this is the biggest thing, why people misunderstand the gospel and the, and the message of the cross and why Paul says the message of the cross 
is foolishness to those who are perishing. Each and every single person has to stand and give account. Every single one of us has to stand and give account for the life we have lived on earth. And there has to be a payment for that sin. Jesus Christ stepped in. This is why Paul also says there is one mediator between us and God, and that is the man Christ Jesus. It is the blood that was spilt that paid the price for sin. If there is no blood, there is no payment. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. Leviticus 17, we see this ordinance given to Moses where animal sacrifice had to be made in order to remiss sins or forgive sins. Again, they had to do this every single time they sinned. The believers today who are under grace, not under law, as Paul says to us in Romans 5, but we are under grace and not under law. So it's starting to rain. Can you guys hear the rain? Is it is it hectic? Yeah, that's normally the case, Selena. That's absolutely it. They, they, um, the enemy doesn't doesn't want you. It is. I love the rain. I love the rain. Yeah, I love rain, man. Praise Jesus for rain. Every time it rains, I'm like, praise you, Lord. Rain is so needed. So, so needed. So Tyron also tell you in South Africa during winter, we get no rain. We get no rain in Johannesburg in the winter time. There's absolutely no rain. I'd love it a lot more if my roof wasn't leaking. Yeah, I've also got a leak that I've got to get in get into and fix amen amen um ephesians chapter six ephesians chapter six paul addresses it um second timothy he addresses it <laughs> I bless the rains down in Africa. Yeah. It's going to take a lot to take me away from you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual enemy. And uh, we must wear the armor of God to withstand all the fiery darts of the enemy. So speaking of spiritual warfare, um, this is a daily thing. Everybody, every Christian, every Christian, that's that's why it says to us in 2 Timothy, no man that warreth, no soldier of God that warreth, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. We know what's happening in the world. We know, as 2 Corinthians 4 says, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to those who the God of this world has blinded their minds. Again, 
how can he blind their minds? Because the battle is spiritual. The battle is spiritual. This is why Satan is able to blind the minds of those who we will preach the gospel to, and they will not receive the gospel because they have been deceived by Satan. They have been deceived. So we've been saved by faith alone, believing in Christ's death and resurrection, assuming that some people believe it's also what they've done. Think there's hell for those not believing 100%. So again, if if anybody, this is why the this is why we read in the gospels that there will be gnashing of teeth and weeping. So if anybody is going to is going to die with the belief that they've somehow played a part in their salvation, they have not put their faith in Christ alone. Um and that that again is is it, it equates to vain belief. If you think that anything you've done played any part in your salvation, I mean, this is this is this is an urgent warning. I say to people all the time because I speak to legalistic Christians. I speak to Christians who think, you know, they've somehow arrived and and they somehow have have some extra salvation. You know, like they've got the gold version of of salvation. And this is this is the same thing you see with 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 hyper Calvinism. Um, you know, they're elect, um, they were chosen, um, and therefore they do not need to preach the gospel. You know, they don't need to, because if anyone is going to be saved, they would be saved anyway. Um, and this is ultimately why we can't, well, why I can't get on board with um, the doctrines, you know, of Tulip, um, because Colossians tells us that God desires for all men to be saved. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. Um, there are just too many passages in Scripture where we see God's love extended to those, uh, to Gentiles. Um, even through the prophet Isaiah, we see again and again and again these promises about Gentiles being restored and Gentiles being saved. Um, by Jesus Christ. When we look at, at Isaiah 53 and we see the prophecy about Jesus going to the cross, we see him bearing the iniquities of all, um, bearing the transgressions of all. Um, Jesus Christ did not just pay for the sin of some. He paid for the sin of everybody who believes. Everyone who believes. And this again, we look at Paul's breakdown of the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and he says it so plainly if you believe that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures then you have believed the gospel that saves you you have believed that Jesus Christ has to um what exactly is Calvinism um Oh, man, it's it's not something we can I can break down in in a simple two minute question. Um, there there is so if you go look at John Calvin, um, John Calvin. If you just go uh, do a Wikipedia search on John Calvin, um, this will give you a breakdown of how Calvinism came about. Um, again, not all Reformed theology is Calvinism. This is what a lot of people. You know, assume not all Reformed theology is Calvinism. Um, we also um, have many people out there who who exegete the text, are more Reformed in their teaching, but do not conform to Calvinism. So, um, yeah, I know 
Chris also recently did a two or three part study on Discord about Calvinism, but it's uh, it's deep. Disconcerting for me when I heard it. Yes, um, again, Samira, when it comes to uh, you know our again, if you this depends on your view. Are you or if you've got if you hold more to a, a dispensational view of scripture? or a, a covenant view of scripture, um, this also will determine which which way you lean. Um, again, like I said, I explained this to Selena the other day. We've got here, for example, this book, uh, Biblical, Biblical Hermeneutics. Um, now, this is just on this entire book. This entire book addresses only... Matthew 2, verses 13 and 15. This entire book addresses Matthew 2, verses 13 to 15. Two verses. And look at, look at the thick of, thickness of this book. So what we have when it comes to biblical hermeneutics, when it comes to biblical hermeneutics, we have the historical, critical, grammatical view um, as my, my brother's uh, my dispensational brothers, they have the literal, literal view, literal interpretation, literal view of scripture. Um, and then we have the philosophical, theological view of scripture. Then we have the literary postmodern view of scripture. Then we have the redemptive and historical view of scripture. And then we have the canonical view of scripture. So there are multiple ways in which people extract the text and there are multiple ways that are acceptable um, and then we can look at we can go okay we agree on the following and then there are going to be there are going to be times where we go okay well we don't agree we don't agree that that's exactly what that says and that's exactly what that means so for example we look at passages where Jesus is talking in Matthew Mark Luke and John um, and we see we see many and at, at first glance, sometimes these seem to contradict. These seem to contradict. Um, one example of this is, is we see Jesus Christ. We see Jesus Christ with the Roman centurion. We see Jesus Christ say uh, to the Roman centurion who comes and approaches him and says, says to him, Jesus, uh, you know, I have a, I have a servant at home who is lame, who cannot walk. And Jesus immediately offers himself up and he says, that's cool. I'll come with you. Um, to which he then replies, no ways. My house is not worthy of your presence. Um, you cannot come into my house, but I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. I know that you can merely speak the words and it will be so. And then Jesus Christ does what? He says, your faith has healed your servant. Your faith has healed your servant. Go now and he will be healed. And then we see in Matthew 15, we see another Gentile. Uh, another Gentile woman come and ask and plead with God for the healing of her daughter that is currently possessed. She says is severely possessed um, and tortured and tormented by these demons. And and Jesus Christ says no. Um, at first glance, he's like, no, uh, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Um, and it's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs. But then she replies with, and she persists, and she replies with, but even the dogs walk around the table and pick up the crumbs. 
To which Jesus Christ replies, it is done. Whatever you've asked is done for you. Your daughter is healed. Your faith has healed your daughter. So we see two, two instances of Jesus Christ healing. We see two instances of Jesus Christ healing Gentiles in the Gospels. And at first glance, it's like, why does he jump to help the Roman centurion but reject the the gentile lady and when you look at the passage these things were not done to ultimately anyone who came to jesus christ anyone who came to jesus christ received the the healing they were looking for whether it was a physical healing a a spiritual healing a mental healing whatever the case may be every single person who came across jesus christ was healed um, and then what do we see is that jesus christ uses these scenarios to teach his apostles so we see this predominantly we see a lot about peter we see a lot with cephas um and we see how jesus christ uses even the scenario with peter getting out of the boat and walking on the water how christ uses these things to prepare peter again we see eternal security we see eternal security in 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 that very thing we see that jesus christ Jesus Christ is uh, is is truthful and faithful because when Peter denies Christ three times, as he said he would deny him three times, when Christ comes back from the dead, he sees Peter. He doesn't go to Peter and go, "Yo, homie, ha ha, told you three times you denied me. Get out of here. You're out. Out of here. Done. You and me finished. No, simply." Jesus asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And then he gives him an instruction to tend to the sheep, to look after the sheep, to feed the sheep. And we see these beautiful scenarios unfold. And this is why when we believe in God's word and we believe the entirety of God's word, we see that there is absolutely nothing in scripture that contradicts it's merely how we have exegeted the text and how we have understood that text. So it can always be explained. It can always be explained if we are willing to learn, if we, are, if we keep our hearts open and we let the Holy Spirit guide us with people, um, obviously, who have been put in charge to teach other people the scriptures. Um, again, we are not all called to teach the scriptures. Um, and, and some days I wish I wasn't. <laughs> Because um, it can be draining. It can be draining at times, especially with, with, with those who don't want to listen, who don't want to hear. But again, we look at the instructions of Christ. We dust our feet and we move on. We preach where we are welcome to do so. This is why Christians don't run into mosques and start screaming, turn or burn, repent or die. Um, this is not the approach Christ took. <laughs> this is not the approach. He, he, he did so with love. And at no point do we see Jesus Christ mocking or scoffing at um, anyone he is correcting and teaching. Um, he, is, he is giving them the truth in love. And ultimately, this is what we have to do. We have to give the truth in love. If the truth is rejected, that's on them. No one is going to stand before God and go, well, I never knew. Because as Philippians Paul puts to us in Philippians, every single knee will bow, every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we see that, that word there, Lord.
Kyrios, God in the flesh, God incarnate. And most people don't see this and just read over the scriptures. Jesus Christ did not reject worship. Jesus Christ gladly accepted worship. And he, he um, demonstrated his acceptance in humility, in humility while he was incarnate in the flesh. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, Jonathan Blake, Archbishop Jonathan Blake. Pray for that man. Pray for that man. Pray for his, pray for his followers. And this is, this is a thing, you know, after watching, um, you know, there's a lot of things, obviously, I would add to what Mark said as well, um, piece by piece. There's so much that Mark said that was so, so, so good. Um, and so much I'm like, oh, you should have add, added this as well. Um, but the point is, um, those who are deceived by him, those who are deceived by him, his live streams attract Satanists, um, you know, atheists, um, all sorts, because this is this is catchy, man. What this guy's selling is catchy. This is like a this is like an all-you-can-eat buffet type of gospel. Like you can just you could just come as you are, stay as you are, be whatever you want to be, identify as a duck, get involved with the LGTV community, you know, go on these parades, do all of these things. Absolutely cool. Jesus would have been there doing it with you. Um, this is his attitude, um, which is absolutely false. Um, he also draws a line between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. So after I finished watching, you know, the the whole skit with Mark, I was like, oh man, you know, I, I commend you, my brother, um, for having that amount of patience because quite frankly, uh, it was just it was beyond bizarre. Beyond I don't know what you're talking about, but I do want to say this. Have you been live for an hour? Yeah. Did anybody in the comments tell you anything? Yeah, they told me that there's been a time shift and yes. now, so from now, from next week, I, I've got to wake up at five. I get it now. Yeah. But, well, actually, well, we're live right now. So hi, everybody. I am not even, I'm, <laughs> I don't have live set up over here. But um, <laughs> one, I'm surprised people hopped on here an hour early. Like they must have saw us live. And um, yeah, so they changed the clocks. But I know that you have an hour and a half normally. Well, that would mean you only have a half, right? Yeah. So we might need to figure out just something uh, uh, over here. So maybe we'll have to, you and I will have to just go earlier. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to talk about this off air, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and make some adjustments. But we're here tonight. Looks like JD's already been kind of like uh, getting y'all ready and whatnot. So um, I guess the way to work is I'll be right back. I'm going to turn off my camera for a second and get my life together. But um, you and I will rock out. And then when you have to go, you'll go and I'll keep going. And then yeah. after the show, you and I need to talk and figure out kind of with the time zone change, how we're going to really uh, approach things. That's, I told my wife, I said, you know, we probably, I should, probably should have had a discussion with my South African friend about <laughs> how we change our clocks here. Um, yeah. Except in Arizona, well, all of our Arizona listeners, none of them change their clocks. Yeah. So, yeah. Like but I'll be right like, back. oh, it's early. And, yeah. <laughs> I saw your message when I, when I looked at my phone when I was getting ready to come get ready. I'm like, what? Because you're like, I got the room open. Where you at? And I'm like, why is he in such a rush for me at that time? Then I remembered, oh yeah, he probably doesn't turn his clocks back. But um, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll be right back. Let me go ahead and get my life. Do you know? Do you know? 
Sweet. Yeah. So anyway, um, again, that, uh, I mean, we've been all over the place. It's just been, I've just been rambling. So I appreciate everybody that's sitting here just listening and, and the couple of questions that have, that have come in um, while I've just been here rambling. Uh, but yeah, the gospel is, 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 is to be delivered a certain way. And there is only one way um, to deliver the gospel. And I don't mean um, you have to word for word say it this way, but there is only one way to deliver the gospel. And what I mean by that is, is by the Holy Spirit, by the spirit of truth dwelling within you. No one can deliver the gospel um, precisely if they are not saved. Um, you, an unsaved person cannot give you the correct gospel. This, that, that, that's what I mean. Um, uh, and it's uh, uh, exactly what we see with this archbishop clown who uh, ultimately just uh, got sick and tired of, of his church. Um, and uh, for those of you who didn't see the video that Mike put up, um, but his book, uh, for God's sake, don't go to church. Um, you can see it's it, 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 somewhere along the line, something shifted. And how does this shift take place? The shift takes place because his heart was never right. His heart was never in the right place. So this is not a question of someone turning away from salvation or, or walking away from the salvation that they once had. Um, he never knew God. He never knew Jesus. And because he never knew Jesus, he's able to corrupt the word of God, twist the word of God. And um, that's it. That's ultimately what it comes down to. He rejects the truth um, and prefers the lie because it gets him a lot of likes. It gets him a lot of attention. And he does a little that that. I mean, who smiles like that all the time anyway? Like, I love to smile. I love to laugh. But who sits there like this? It's 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 ridiculous, man. Um, and uh, like Mark said, yeah, you can see the devil in his eyes, man. It just to be able to lie so openly. Um, it's it's just oof, it's scary, man. Yeah, exactly. He is the master of his own desires, um, and he he only wants to have people follow him. Um, and exactly like he's, he's moderators or Satanists, atheists, um, you know, they're all swinging from, you know, playing putt putt in the ocean. Uh, you, you, we know as, as Christians that there is two genders, there is two genders and the marriage covenant is, is for male and female. Um, that's what God ordained and that's what God gave, you know these people walk around like marriage is something we came up with. Like, like we created marriage one day, you know, a man and a woman were like, well, whew, you know, this is working. Let's, let's make it a permanent thing. No, like we see this from the beginning in Genesis, God created the helper. He created the female for the male. This is not a, a human idea. This is not something we came up with. Oh, let's do marriage. That sounds cool. Uh, let's live together forever and make babies. No, none of these things were created by us. God created male and female. God created that we could reproduce and make more, that we could be fruitful and multiply. 
the working bits that we that the male has and the female has come together to make another little human being this was by god's design not because we decided okay cool we're going to do this let's let's get this done and this is why we simply cannot get we can't get get on get on that train and all right and all right all right all right i know you guys have been waiting for mike to show up i'm i'm sorry yo I'm yo sorry. yo uh, uh, we can't even do a normal intro today because JD wanted to be an hour early. Um, but yeah, I heard you talking, by the way, about that guy. Finally, he blocked He blocked me today. Just want to let you all know he finally blocked me because um, if you didn't see my, my video today, he finally made a video about me. I don't know if you saw that, JD. Um, and it was a highlight from the live stream of me saying, yeah, I don't if if God kill, uh, takes children out of this world, if he kills a child, then that's God. He can do whatever he wants. And that's all he has me saying to try and be like, stay away from anyone who condones a God that can kill innocent children. And he likes to use the word slaughter and these big words. Right. And um, I commented saying, can I ask you and all your viewers a question? Then I responded to that with a video. And it was me asking, are you pro-choice or pro-life? Because I bet money you're pro-life to appease to your fan base, which is Satanists and secularists. So I guarantee you're most likely pro-choice. And then you're saying, let me guess, it's woman's body, woman's choice, but not God's creation, God's choice. Block. Block me. Also in my video, I said, hey, if anybody wants to watch the entire video, you can actually go watch the debate. Because it's funny that the only highlight he has is me talking. Because there's nothing of himself from that debate that he could share and be like, here's me <laughs> representing this faith of mine. Not a single moment in that debate that he have anything that's worthy of him being able to share to show like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, that's why I said, you know, that I've, I've been waiting like a year to use that voiceover on my TikTok, you know, the, the one that we've got in, 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 in our, uh, not a single thing you have said has made any sense. Um, yeah. Not in your rambling and your ranting, uh, you know, and, and this is ultimately, uh, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, that, you know, that's that's exactly what it comes down to. So I want to, well, first of all, welcome to the to True Christian Ministry Podcast. In case you're tuning in and you've been tuned in and, and somehow you're getting to this point confused, like you didn't figure it out already. But for anybody tuning in live, no, you have not missed the podcast. No, you're not late. JD here lives in South Africa, as we all know. And I forgot that most likely he does not participate in daylight savings time. You know, I'm in America, so therefore everything revolves around me. So in my mind, yep. everybody else should know when our clocks change and you should be aware of it. Like, hello, we probably foot the bill for your defense. Like, know our time zones, right? Except Arizona because they don't participate in it. Um, so, yeah. So to me, I'm on time. But JD was like, yep, Mike's sleeping in again. Mike not showing <laughs> up again. Um, but so tomorrow, tonight, we're going to, me and JD are going to talk about it because we have a lot of international viewers. So I'm sure they're really confused as well. So me and JD yeah. will talk after the show. We're going to come up and make sure that we have a good schedule for this, this season. And maybe we're just going to have to do it where the show is at nine o'clock during the other season. And then we bump it back to eight on these, uh, on this season, because I don't want to uh, affect what JD has going on in his life. And, um, he already wakes up in, at the crack of dawn. So we're not going to make him therefore have to do other things. Right. So that's that. 
you're watching on TikTok, thank you so much for tuning in. But we're live on YouTube, and that's where you're going to get to see everything, the comments, the Bible on screen. We're going to be talking about eternal security and fear today because we want you to leave this live stream not having a fear of your salvation, not having a fear of am I going to be saved. If you ever hear Matthew 7, 21, depart from me, for I never knew you, and you like think like, oh my goodness, that might be me, uh, tonight the goal is that you walk away knowing that that's not you. And then- yeah, um, amen. Yeah, but uh, JD, also, uh, uh, everybody, I would like you all to uh, keep uh, Justin in your prayers with everything going on in his life and new directions. And the daughters finally, you know, that we know that she battled and won against what she had going on, but he's got new things in life. He's working new jobs and stuff because we know he lost his job during that incident. Um, I ask you all to keep him in your prayers. And then um, I figured we would talk a little bit about this because you and I have not been able to talk yet about Archbishop. Um, so I want to bring something up that I'm sure JD can confirm because I don't think people understand this. I've had a lot of people since then saying like, Hey, you're wasting your time. Don't even worry about him. Don't, Hey, just ignore him. Um, all we have to do is pray for him. Four things I'm going to respond to those first three. This isn't about him. It was never about yeah. him. I never expected him to be like, Mike, you're right. It has always been about how many of his followers will see the video and say, Oh, he don't know what he's talking about. I don't even care if they follow me as long as they, if, even if they walk away from the video saying both these guys are fools, that's a man not listening to him. That's the first three things. The final one to pray for him. I've been wondering if I'd ever have an opportunity to teach with a practical example, first John chapter five. And I think that this is a moment. So let me go ahead and show you something in first John chapter five, <laughs> because I, I would say, and don't just do it. Don't just feel this way because of Mike, but I would say he is a person we should not pray for. Hmm. What, Mike? Are you really saying that? Yes. Um, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. So what does this mean? And in my opinion, and I don't think me and JD have ever talked about this before, so maybe he can tell me if he agrees or not. I believe that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's that full-on rejection of the truth, knowing the truth, and still walking and fighting against yeah. it, right? I don't yeah. believe that this man is just confused. I believe that this man knows exactly what he's doing. I believe he's Hebrew 6. He was in a church. He was a real bishop there, which means he was in the presence of godly people, regardless yeah, what that word, combination yeah. is. Yeah, knows the word. And you know still it. rejects it. He's the land from Hebrews 6 that no matter how much rain comes, produces thorns and thistles. But the thing is, those thorns and thistles, they catch the fresh lambs, the young sheep that are going past, right? If a lamb tries to cross through different fields, ooh, that might be a good analogy, right? We're called to be fruit-bearing fields, and then they are thorn-bearing fields. Well, if these young sheep that are on their way to find Jesus come through us, they come through a fruit-bearing field that can give them nutrition and prepare them for the journey. But these wolves are thorns in thickets, and these lambs get caught up and sometimes get stuck there. And this is why we must go in and burn the thorns and thickets and cut the thorns and thickets and to say, come follow me to the young sheep. So day one, this was never about him, ever. Mm. I never expected mm. young uh, fake Bishop uh, Blake to be like, hey, buddy, that's why if you saw the debate, how did I start it? Well, I'm not here to have a chit-chat with you. We are not friends. This is not a friendly conversation. Yeah. This is not a game, bro. You're playing with people's Amen. souls. <laughs> Amen. So, and I think, I think just... Yeah, just to address a couple of things. The first one is um, we pray that God has mercy on him 
Um, that's for sure. The, the fact that he yes. can be saved, he, he cannot be saved. He cannot be saved um, by anything and, we and do or say. If he can, if JD and I are wrong, that would be something that God have to do anyway. Like there's nothing that we can say to him. Only God, exactly the power of God will be able to save him in the first place. Moreover, it's it's those deceived by him who we pray for. It's mm. it's it's and this is the biggest reason why I'm grateful that Mike has made these videos, has gone back and forth, because it is essential to those who have been deceived by him to plant a seed of wait a minute, I didn't think of it like that. Wait a minute, I didn't see it like that. Because what he's done is he's taken the God of the universe, number one, he's divided the God of the Old Testament to the God to Jesus Christ. He's created oh. a separation which doesn't exist. There is no separation between Christ Jesus and God the I Father. Can't stand he's that, created one. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and we as Christians... I mean, we, you guys need to make sure that you make it clear that because I think sometimes even Christians can talk about it as if there's a difference. Like the only difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament is covenants, but they're not uh, separated. Literally, like Paul taught yeah. from the Old Testament. You cannot separate these. It is Jesus who leads them out of his uh, out of Egypt. It, when when God rains down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesus is there and in full agreement because he is eternally uh, united with Father. Like. There's Amen. Jesus isn't like dad, please don't, don't do that, dad. No, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's also not, he's not a weakling, he's not some coward. Again, who, who's coming back? This is what I always say when people paint Jesus with this, with this, with this LGTV brush. You, you, you're making a huge mistake because who's coming back as the final judge? Who will judge the living and the dead? Who will be the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last, the one who was and the one who is to come? So again, when they ferry it down and they nancify Christ, it does make us angry. Both Mike and I both get very angry. Um, and this is where, like, I, I would rather not make a video because the words that will come out of my mouth will not be that of a becoming Christian who who, who loves people. Because a lot of the things he say, says is straight up lunacy. It's 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 ridiculousness how how Absolutely. someone how someone can utter those words. He has absolutely no understanding of Bro, who but here's the thing. I, I, I'm did you just watch the highlights or have you watched the whole thing? Yeah, bro. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm unpacking it. Let's put it that oh, way. I know, but I'm, I'm just halfway through. Because if you really listen, one, he never actually answered a single question, right? And I realized that he's probably used to just the random TikTokers that get up and they go back and forth and they let him control the conversation. But he preaches love, not biblical love. And and as we know, when I asked him how he defines love, he talked about how he, how he has his own New Testament. You know, he wrote his own New Testament, J.D., um, his own interpretation yeah. of the it's the inclusive New Testament. But um, when, when you talk to him, he doesn't actually have a firm grasp on anything he believes. It's all about love, but it's really not love for real. It's really what I love. And, and he's playing God because he's telling people you cannot know what God says. The Bible's not trustworthy. Nobody can know anything. But yet he keeps saying what God says. God wants this. Mm. God wants that. Yeah, he keeps making assertions. Yeah. And that was the main thing <laughs> I aimed at. In the entire yeah. debate was me trying to figure out where exactly do you get this information from, man? Are you a prophet? I mean, and, and this is this. This is he made a video a while ago and I looked at this and I was like, come on. Like, how did you just listen to yourself? Contradict yourself. He's like, God wants everyone to be an agnostic. That's a claim. <laughs> he said those words. He said those yeah. words. 
God wants everyone to be an agnostic. And then he goes on to say that no one knows what God wants. But you've just told us that God wants us all to be agnostic. And then in the very next breath, and then in the very next breath, he says, no one can possibly know what God wants. So, and, and this is, Mr. This Madison, is why people are, what are, you just are, said are, is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Play? Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Mr. Madison, my, my computer, what did you play? just said my computer's messing up. is one of <laughs> Is it playing? Yeah, it's playing. Oh, oh, it's just trying to play things on my side. Is it still playing? No, it's done now. Okay, cool. Sorry, guys. I thought I was doing something, but I'm just a fool over here. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's exactly the point. He he makes assertions and claims, and then he can't validate or back the claims he's made. <laughs> Bro, um, let's be yeah. very honest about him for a second. If you take away his his robe and that background, and if you were to have him go live just like that, nobody would tune in because what he's saying is ridiculous. And there are some people out there that this is what we've said before about the prophet title and your username, right? Um, the beep was terrible. My bad, guys. My bad. But um, people will believe based on certain small things, right? Um, talk, you're, you're in your title, prophet, apostle, or for this guy, dressed as this bishop and his username is archbishop, right? So they're immediately calling him father in the comment section. They're like, oh, this guy, we could trust this guy. It's, it's all a fraud. Dude doesn't even know what the Bible says. Like he really doesn't know what the Bible says. It's, it's. And that should be the biggest red flag, Hokage. Like, all of his main followers, like, same thing with Dan McClellan, right? People have said, um, you know, Dan McClellan, I trust him, da 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 da, da. When somebody who pro professes to be a Christian, and we know they're not, but professes to be Christian, when their main supporters and followers are the world, First John chapter 4 says what? I'm going to actually, I feel like this is a great test since we're here. Um, yeah. before we dive into tonight's topic fully, even though JD's gonna have to leave us soon, poor JD. Um, but I've 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 set the I've set the tone for eternal security, and 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 the reason I brought up him is because this is how we know someone that was never ever ever saved to begin with. He was never in the faith. He was. Never I'll tell you, I'm almost at the point where I might need to dive into the ministry funds and see if we can afford a new computer. Because man, my computer is tripping over here. Is the Bible up on screen? Yeah. Oh, you can see it. I can't see it on my uh, thing. Okay. Um, like I want you to think about this, guys. Think about what this says right here. It. it this is the testing, right? Oh, here it is. Keep going back. Keep going back. Here we go. Test the spirits, right? Where it says, do not believe every spirit. The way John ends this little moment right here where he's talking about that, he says, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we may know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. If someone claims to be a Christian and they're support and their protection and their backup is all non-believers even satanists that's a red flag out of this world 
And I called out the fact that he was protecting a Satanist saying she's an angel. And I had some commenters, JD, come and say, she's just a child. She's 18. Bro, she's helping him deceive people. I don't care how old she is. She old enough yeah, to get on this website and support an, uh, uh, an agenda to, to mislead people to hell. Then you, I don't care about your age. Bro, I don't care. Yeah, and her, her page is seriously dark, man. Seriously dark. Like, oh, that's it's demonic. Nothing. Demonic, demonic, demonic. Like, bad. It's absolutely terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. Um, but uh, let's move on to tonight's topic. So we I wanted to talk about eternal security and fear. And I know this is something we talk about a lot on this show. But as JD and I have mentioned, like, this is probably the most important thing to us sometimes when we're teaching. Like, it's that eternal security. You guys hear us. Are, we're so firm on it. And some people might say, Mike, why are you guys so, you know, firm on that? Because of what it means about the character of God, right? Like it's not just a doctrine. It's an attribute of God. When we talk about him keeping his word, him upholding mm. you, him saving mm. you, because changing that, if you can lose your salvation, it changes the entire gospel. And, and I don't think people realize that it is important that we honor God the way he deserves to be honored. And that's why this is such an important topic for me. And I know JD agrees with me as well. Big time, big time. Absolutely. And again, this is where we have to wrestle with the word of God and, and wrestle with God's promises. I feel like a lot of Christians are not, are not, not scared to contend with God. Um, we, we all, all the prophets of old contended with God and took him at his word. You said this, like David, you see this in the Psalm, in the Psalms all the time. David is, he's calling on God to, you said this, you're, you you said you're going to do this. When will you do this? Um, you know, contend with God. Um, again, we see the, the apostle Paul, we see the, the apostle Peter, this is what Christ said. They say this with assert with, with assertiveness. They're not. They're not like, guys. Look, whew, maybe if you kind of saw. Look, I'm I'm crossing fingers. I'm hoping you get there. Like they said, this is what Christ came to do. And if you believe this, you are saved. It wasn't a. Ooh, all the best. Crossing fingers and toes. This is not the, the language we see throughout the Bible. And just like um, uh, you were mentioning it, which is I'm glad you brought that up because that was in the book uh, that I I've, I've read online on the different live streams before, the book about prayer. And he talks in there about how before we can have confidence in God answering our prayers, we first must have confidence in our salvation. And he says that if you aren't sure that God has forgiven you, then how can you be sure of anything else? When it comes to mm. you and God, and, and that's such a valid point. Believing in eternal security is is important because it literally will change your walk. Not because oh you have permission to sin. Don't let anybody even lie and say that. It, this is one of the biggest pushbacks. Oh, it's yeah. it's dangerous because then people will think they can freely sin. A lot of things are dangerous. Just like confession yeah. is dangerous. It leads people to believe that all I got to do is go to confession. I can flip that right back on you, right? Hey, repent of your sins and you're saved. That's not dangerous. That one is. So you're saying as long as I say sorry, I'm good? Or are you not seeing yeah. that, that that teaches the same thing if we're going to talk about what the enemy might do, right? Because that's mm. really what we're arguing mm. about is how will it, people be deceived? At the end of the mm. day, if we're going to have faith that God is who God says he is, it comes down to that. I am that I am. 
he keeps his covenant. Even with Israel, yeah, as much as they failed, he keeps his side of the covenant. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is here's, here's another deception I see. So Paul says this, I think in the ESV, in 2 Corinthians, he says, my sin is ever before me. My sin is ever before me. Um, <clears throat> I'm just trying to remember where in 2 Corinthians it is. Come but on, Paul JD, makes you should this, know this. Yeah, I should. I really, really should. Um, and then, then he... <laughs> and the reason he says this is because your sin is a reminder to keep you humble. We see the same in 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul says, a, a messenger of Satan sent to befame me, giving me a thorn in the flesh. Go to 2 Corinthians 12, and we see this thing. But what does he say there? He says, Jesus Christ said to him, when he, when he besought the Lord, when he went to God three times and said, please remove this thorn from my flesh, God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. And in weakness, my grace is evident. So a lot of people look at this and think, oh, okay, so this is when I'm sick. No, so it's got nothing to do with a physical illness constantly. Certain sin that plagues you, certain problems that you have, certain things that you go through will not be removed from you because they keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. This is what people, what, what do you want? And, and I say this to people in, the, in a way of money. If we look at this in a financial term, some people would never turn to God if they got all the money in the world. If they were constantly getting everything they wanted, they would never turn to God for what they needed. So God gives us our daily needs, absolutely, for sure. He gives us more than our daily needs. But we continuously seek God in various areas of our life where we fall short again and again. Amen. So let's, I want to, I want to take us to Romans six to give you an idea of why this is, uh, this is so important to understand. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? You see, Paul got this question a long time ago. And what's interesting is people don't realize that just the way he's answering this shows what Paul stands on. Because the only reason you get this question is if you're teaching what we are teaching, because that's why we get that question. Oh, so we're just free to do whatever we want? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And yesterday I did a live stream uh, in an impromptu teaching on this topic, JD. And you might not have seen this yet. I put it up on YouTube, but I pulled up the Roman understanding of adoption. And uh, we've talked about it before, but I've never read it. So in, in the Roman Empire, you could disown a child at any any decision you want. When you have the child, it's up to you. Do you want to keep it? And you can let it go. Um, are you getting out of here? No. Oh, you're um, okay. so just a tyrant. Okay. <laughs> um, but if you adopt the child because you chose that child, you can never disown them again. You also have to share your inheritance with them. But here's the third thing I didn't know about. When you adopt a child in the Roman Empire, all previous debts and obligations are wiped away and they get a brand mm. new start when you adopt them. And this is when they're writing the New Testament and the Holy Spirit puts it on Paul's heart to write. You ever see the spirit of adoption, adopted as sons, adopted, ad adopted. So what those people reading would have known, and I don't think God is a fool. I think God knows that they would have known that. So there's a reason why that term is there. When someone is adopted, 
their old life is gone. Everything is wiped clear and you are locked into that family. They will never be disowned and they're guaranteed an inheritance. Now think about salvation. Literally, our past is wiped clean. Our sins are forgiven. Our debts are gone. We have a new life. We're born again, a new creation. We're not under the law. We, we belong to our father and we have an inheritance that we'll receive, which is salvation. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. beautiful when you understand that. And then listen what Paul continues to say. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lived, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is, this is a command. Hear me clearly, yeah. Christians. You want to know how you can battle this walk? You must know that you are dead to sin. Amen, man. Amen. <laughs> Sin no longer has dominion over you. This is the problem. Like you addressed it briefly in your other video as well. Should we be calling ourselves sinners? Absolutely not. We're adopted children of God. A again, do we sin? Yes. But are we labeled as sinners? No. We're adopted. What does Paul children. say in the very next chapter, JD? When I yeah. sin, it is not I who sin, but sin that sin dwells that in dwells me. So we yeah. all have Amen. sin that dwells in us. But we ourselves are not sinners anymore because our spirit is separated from the body. The body is Praise dead Jesus, to sin. Man. The spirit is alive in Christ. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus, man. And, and with that being said, I have to bounce. I love you, you guys. I love you, brother. I've you got, got go. three more minutes? Yeah, I've got to bounce. I'm saying, do you have three more minutes? No, I've got like a minute and a half. So I'm Can saying goodbye. Oh, okay. All right, everybody. I'll be right back. I got to go grab some more water. I thought I would have time to do that while JD was on camera. Give me five seconds. I'll, be right I'll, back. I'll wait for you. I'll wait for you. I'll sing. I'll sing a lullaby. I'll sing a lullaby while Mike's gone. Again, guys, uh, just reiterating exactly what Mike said. Um, and we've got we've got 123 people in the chat right now. I hope I hope in 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 that mix of 123 people that there is someone who is not saved and that you come to the knowledge of the truth tonight um in this podcast and and may the lord bless each and every single one of you 123 people who are here i see a lot of the familiar faces uh god bless you my beautiful brothers and sisters uh always good to be here with you to those who hung out with me for the first hour um it was awesome uh thanks for the questions selena love you sister tyrant love you uh mel love you sister um god bless you all for for popping in um and spending time on this remember to like and share the podcast remember to get involved in the ministry by by doing just that we do not demand people pay we do not charge people subscriptions we do not ask you for your poor or your hungry we are simply we are <laughs> simply saying share the live share the like uh, like share like share like share um, and get the gospel out to as many people as possible um as we continue to fight the good fight of faith um, I love you, my brother. I will chat to you when you're done, and uh, yeah. we'll we'll figure out the Bible reading and the rest. I'll call. I, I'm thinking about calling you in my morning because I have to go out tomorrow and do some stuff. So I'll be out and about. 
So I'll call you tomorrow evening for you or tonight for you. Yeah, tonight for me. Okay. Yeah. We'll Sweet. talk soon. Love Let me you. continue to tell these people why they shouldn't fear. Yeah. Love <laughs> God bless you, brother. All right, guys. So, uh, all right. So, where we were just at, right? Uh, we were pointing out the fact that you are dead to sin, dead to sin. And this is a mind state that you have to understand. And what comes with that? How many of you can remember or at least recall when, when JD and I are being asked questions about, is this a sin or is this a sin? You see us kind of get frustrated a little bit because the way a lot of people's mindset is, is you're not free of sin. You're dodging sin. And a lot of Christians think you're walking this tightrope life like, oh, is that sin? Is that sin? Is that sin? Is that sin? And it frustrates us because that's not the mindset. That mindset means you're still enslaved to sin. You can't tell me otherwise. What free man is doing that, right? If sin is the captor, or it's actually known as what? What do we know? The uh, sin, uh, not sin, but the law is your guardian, and sin is the curse, right? Like we are broken from that. And read what Paul continues to say, verse twelve: Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. If, if you stop worrying about sin, sin no longer has dominion over you. It has no power over you. When you're able to walk and say, I know that I walk in the spirit and I'm aiming for God. What does it say? He says what? Uh, let me go back to it. Present your members, not as instruments of unrighteousness, but to God. Like I, I present myself to God, which he's going to cap, cap this all off at Romans 12. And we'll jump ahead there in a little bit. But this is where I really want you to hear it. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now listen what he says. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. You are no longer a slave of sin, but now a slave of righteousness. I want to finish what he says, and we're going to come back and talk about it a little bit. Verse 19. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So when we were slaves of sin, you were still free to do righteous things. You chose not to do so. Let's make that very clear. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruits you get leads to the sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, and the, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I read a lot there, and I want to just go back a little bit. People will say, you know, well, if I keep sinning, you're saying that I'm still saved. And that right there is the mindset that's that's kind of disgusting because it's almost like, well, why is that ever an option? Why are we even thinking about like, well, if I start sinning, we know that if we aim towards the Lord and we make the Lord our everything, then that's what matters in our life. 
So those types of arguments I throw away. But then you'll get someone that says, well, what if someone walks away from salvation? And that one I feel like offends me a little bit because listen what it says here. You have become slaves of God. When I was a slave to sin, could I stop sinning on my own? Could I break myself free of sin on my own? No. We all know we couldn't. So when someone says, I can walk away from God, are you saying that you have more power over God than you did your sin? Because none of you could stop sinning on your own. But now that you're a slave of God, you say you can walk away from him? I don't understand that. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. That's what the scriptures makes clear. And if you are a slave to God, what does it say? The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end. It doesn't say sanctification and if you endure and if you get through it and you work hard enough, then you'll get to the end eternal life. Listen, if you belong to God, it says the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And its end, eternal life. Paul goes on to discuss how when he sins, it is not I who sin, but sin that dwells within me. And then we get into Romans 8. And I wanted to come here to really focus in on what we what justification is. What is justification? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So the righteous requirement of the law has been imputed on you. That's the word that that the like theological studies you'll you'll hear this word, the imputation, which is just basically you receiving you indwelling this from God and it's the imputation of Christ's righteousness. So let me remember some people don't, you know, I don't want people to get lost here. So what we believe when it comes to justification, which is how you go from being a sinner to sin uh, to, to, to a saint. So when you hear that term justification, this is the official court kind of word usage that the king, our judge, takes us from guilty to innocent. So how do we become justified? So when you hear me say what we believe for justification, this is actually how we're being saved, if that makes sense. And we know that Christ died sinlessly so that the righteous requirement of the law will be fulfilled in us. So when God the Father looks upon you or me, he sees the righteous requirement fulfilled by his son. So if the father says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant, he's not talking to you. He's talking about the son because the son was the good and faithful servant. You are not the good and faithful servant. Let me make this very make this very clear for us Christians. Don't get this pumped up in your head. You are not the good and faithful servant. This is the problem with this. You can lose your salvation workspace kind of stuff. If someone makes it to the end, they think they have something coming to them. Well done. You didn't lose it. Oh my goodness. You've been a Christian your whole life. So you lasted 80 years without losing it. Oh my goodness. Good job. You made it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. No, you were not a good and faithful servant. Not a single one of you is. So no matter how long I've been a Christian, when I get to the end, it's not well done, my good and faithful servant to me. It's me saying, thank you, Jesus. For you are the only reason I can be here. But see, people don't realize that small, subtle change takes the glory off Jesus and puts the glory on you. And scripture tells you if anyone glorifies something other than Jesus, that's a big red flag. Even Jesus told us this. The one who seeks his own honor and glory, that's a big red flag. 
We want all glory to go to Jesus. Why? Because that's what God even says in his own scriptures. Ready? I spell Isaiah correctly. I did. I always mess up Isaiah. Um, we're just doing a bounce around the scriptures day because normally I have JD with me. So I can pass it to him. But since I don't, we might be just bouncing around some scriptures. Here we go. Here's one. Verse 25, Isaiah 43. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions. Can y'all read this with me? For all y'all with me on YouTube? For my own sake. Ladies and gentlemen, did God blot out your transgressions for your sake? Because you deserved it? Because you asked him to? No. He did, does it. Why? For my own sake. Let's keep looking. Huh. The people whom I formed for myself, that they did, made, might declare my praise. So he made me to glorify him. The people whom I formed for myself. It's all about God. Ready? Let's see. Here we go. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange gods among, among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. And also, henceforth, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work and who can turn it back. So if he starts working on me. You're saying someone can turn it back. Can I turn it back? Because last I checked, when you come to the Lord, you, you start getting sanctified. Can I slap the potter's hand off of the clay and say, how dare you, Lord? Listen what he says. I am the Lord and beside me there is no savior, not even yourself. If I play any part in that, not even yourself, you're not saving nothing. Oh, here we go. Verse seven. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Ladies and gentlemen, this is about his glory. So if anything someone teaches me biblically doesn't end at his glory, we have a problem. It's not about my glory. And I don't care what no one says. There's no way you could tell me that if you can lose your salvation, there's not at least 1% glory in that if I can make it to the end without failing. We're in the uh, in the book of Isaiah, the scroll of Isaiah. You can see my verses up here. If you're ever watching this live stream, this is where you're going to find the um, the book. Um, if you can't see it, just ask, and we'll be glad to definitely share it with you. But do you understand why me and JD are so avidly uh, defending this stance? Because it takes away God's glory when you become a part of it. And this is there's actually uh, terms for this as well. So if you believe that it's God and God alone who saves, that's called monogism, right? Monogism, mono meaning one. And then people that believe that man cooperates with God, it's um, synergism, right? So people that believe in man cooperating with God, obviously the Roman Catholics are one of the big ones. So their dogmas, the way it's actually written in their catechism is that we're cooperating with God. Here's why I don't like... The, 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 the idea of us cooperating with God. Because then it means God's like, I'm going to try my best to save you, but then it's all on you. That changes what the, what the purpose of salvation is. Because it's not, it obviously can't be for his glory, because why would he let his glory be tarnished? Because that would mean every one of us that fails to reach it, that's tarnishing his glory. 
And we read in Ephesians 1. We are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to what? To the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. Welcome, Michael. Glad to see you here. Love seeing you on all the videos. So glad to see you that you're hanging out with us. If we go through the entire Bible, what do we constantly see? It's about his glory. But man's pride gets involved. You might say, why do these religions or these denominations, how do they end up in this idea of losing salvation and, and things like that? And, and so one of the pushbacks you'll get is the early church never believed in eternal security. That's what they'll tell you. Why? Because there are people who think you can lose salvation all throughout history. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. But there are also people that understand that you can't. The difference is they didn't have to talk about it much because this is one of those things that honestly, like if you really do want to be honest about it, as long as someone's not lying to people saying like you could lose your salvation and make them fear hell. If those people didn't exist, this isn't something you would preach just because you get what I'm saying. This is only needed to be preached when the enemy is opposing it. If you take away the people preaching, you know, the fear style preaching, you're going to lose your salvation. If you don't stop, you're going to lose your salvation. He's going to say, depart me. I never knew you. If you take that away, then there's no reason in reminding you all like, hey, God's going to keep his promise. So I wouldn't preach this. If there is no one opposing it, I would have no reason to talk about it because we shouldn't be arguing about can we lose your salvation or not? We should just live our lives as Christians. Honestly, if we could go back in time and talk to Paul, Peter, or any of them and say, hey, um, in the future, I'm going to tell you what Christians are going to argue about. They're going to argue about, do I need to get it baptized? And can I lose this? Can I lose my salvation? And I feel like Peter, Paul, any of them, they would slap me. What are you talking? Can you lose? Can, do you have to get baptized? That's what you're arguing about? Can I lose salvation? Why is your mind there? Your mind should be on how many people can I bring salvation to? That's listen to the, even the idea of can I lose my salvation? That's selfish. Who are you worried about when you're worried about can I lose my salvation? That's the opposite of Christianity. It's the opposite of what we're called to do. We're supposed to say the Lord's got me and I trust the Lord. So I'm going to go out here and try and bring the good news to people. I shouldn't have to worry about myself. That's what my king does. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. The father provides to the sparrow and to the grass. Don't you think he'll provide more to you? But again, we have to preach it when people are using fear to, to, to scare these people. And the thing is, you might say, well, Mike, if eternal security is true, why would the enemy be so worried about making people think you can lose it? Because they can't. If a person who's truly saved spends their entire life worrying about their own salvation, that's less people they're going to reach. And also, I don't know what the devil knows as far as our doctrine goes. The word of God is hidden to him. I don't know if he knows we're eternally secured, but regardless, it's not always about you. Even that is, again, more about you. Even your, your, your doubts of it are selfish. Like, oh, why would he waste his time on me? Because it ain't about you. Get rid of the selfishness in Christianity. It's It sneaks its way in. It really does. It sneaks its way in, and we find ourselves in these prideful situations. You'll hear people talk about Hebrews 6, and we've discussed it before, but we'll bring it up. We just talked about it about Archbishop Fakai. 
And I said, he's the he's right here in verse seven. See, everybody always reads this part. It's always cute and cuddly to read the part of the verse that just works perfectly and just stop right there, right? Like, oh, and then they, uh, the, they'll fall away and restore them again in repentance since they've been crucifying once again, the son of God to their own harm and holding it up to contempt. Okay, stop right there. I'm done. Stop right there. I'm done, right? But wait a minute. He's about to give you an understanding right here. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivating receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. What's the difference between these two lands? They both receive rain. One produces fruit. One produces uh, 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 thorns and thistles. No matter how much it rains, it will produce fruit. And no matter how much it rains, it will produce thorns and thistles. No matter how many gospel you preachings you do to this person, no matter whether they tasted the goodness of the Holy Spirit itself, it's impossible to bring, to bring them to the light because they are reprobate. They are in rejection of God. So this, this is not about losing salvation, but rather there are some who will not hear. There are some that will walk away from this. There are some that will say no. That's just what they, it is. We, we see this in Jesus's teachings. Matthew 13. There are some that are going to reject him. John chapter six, 5,000 walk away. And they, they literally ate bread that he made out of, out of thin air. They literally tasted a heavenly gift legitimately, not even a metaphor there. They witnessed the things that Jesus did. They heard his words. Judas was in his presence. Hebrews 6 is talking about those that no matter what, nothing comes from them. They are the ground that no matter how much rain lands on it, it bears thorns and thistles. And people say, what about Hebrews 10? And what's funny is if you look at Hebrews 6, if you actually scroll down, it then goes into what we have a sure hope on, talking about us, the believers, because he delivers this to a group of people. And you could tell who he's talking to because he changes up his uh, pronouns and, and how he's addressing it. He then comes down here when God makes a promise to Abraham, right? And he says, um, uh, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge, so now it's about we, the ones that turn to him, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. So Hebrews 6, if we read the whole chapter, is talking about those that reject him and those that are in him, and those that are in him have a sure, a steadfast anchor in Christ Jesus, who's our forerunner. Forerunner means he goes somewhere before me, meaning I'm coming too. We go to Hebrews 10. This is where, we, this is where a lot of people get caught up as well. But Mike, Mike, don't you know what Hebrews 10.26 says? If we go on willfully sinning, that uh, for if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries, guys. Can I be honest with you? If this means what they're trying to tell you it means, 
we're all going to hell. I dare a single Christian to tell me that they have not deliberately sinned since coming to faith. I dare you. I dare you. If you do lie to me in that moment, that will be your deliberate sin. Tell me. Because it's easy to twist this and say, look, you can lose your salvation. But we're not. No, no, no. If that's accurate. If that's accurate. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. If that is exactly what they're saying it means, we're all going to hell. No way in the world you're about to tell me that we don't know that, that all these Christians around here have not sinned deliberately. Don't lie to me. Don't you do it. Maybe there's context, though. Can we do a little context? I think we can. Scroll to the beginning of the chapter. How does it begin? For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Wait a minute. It's already starting to give me language where you might be sitting here like, oh, I think I know what Hebrews 10 says. I want to jump real quick to here because we're doing this about the context of Hebrews 10, 26. Start with me at verse 9. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. Talking about the son, talking about the father. And then it says he does away with the first in order to establish the second. Does away with the first what? The sacrifices, the sacrifices of old. Right, I should have read right before there where it says, when he said above, you neither desired nor took place pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. Are y'all all still with me? I hope you are. I hope you are. What did he just say? These priests are still doing these sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Why? Because he just said Jesus did away with the first to replace it with the second. Now let's go down to Hebrews 10, 26 and see if maybe we can understand this a little bit better. In fact, right before it, we also see where there is forgiveness of these, there no longer any offering for sin. But regardless, 1026, he says, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. He just got done explaining to you that the original covenant is done. There is no longer an offering for sins. He literally said he did away with the first to establish the second. He said the priests are making these sinful sin, uh, sin offerings that cannot take away sin. He's telling the Hebrews, i.e. the name of the book, if you go on in life sinning after you've heard what I just said to you right now, the gospel, there's no sacrifice for sins. You can't go back to the temple. You can't run to the temple. You can't go into the temple and say, hi, priest, I need. No, that's done. It is done. That's what Hebrews 10 is saying. Because these Jews wanted to continue these sacrifices. Remember, the temple doesn't fall until 70. 
So for 40 years after Christ, Jews are still making sacrifices. And he's saying to them, that doesn't work. You cannot do that anymore. And if you go on sinning after passing up on the gospel, just know that those don't count. That is what Hebrews 10, 26 is saying. We can go to Philippians 2. We can go to all these common ones that people try to use. Therefore, my beloved, as you always have obeyed, I mean, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And if you've been here before, you know that this is what gets me upset, that people stop right there because it is the end of the verse, but it's not the end of the sentence. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Well, we ask for forgiveness. What we're saying is, see, that's the thing. I don't want you guys to think that we're saying like, oh, well, you could just run around nilly willy. What we're saying is, it's not that you are, hmm, how do I don't want to word this for you? People want to believe that you have to, every time you sin, you have to ask for forgiveness immediately, right? Or else you, you're not forgiven. If that was the case, we would all also be screwed in that matter as well. Because if we think we notice every time we sin, we're, we're naive to our sins. Should you ask for forgiveness every day? But just like your child, if my son forgets to say sorry about something, I might be upset with him for a moment, but he's still my son. And when he does come to say sorry to me, I've already forgiven him. He's my son. No, this isn't a dangerous subject for people who are new to the faith. It's a dangerous subject when you tell people that they can lose their salvation. That's when it gets dangerous. Um, that's when it gets dangerous. Because the thing is, again, people want people to, they want these young Christians to walk in fear. They want people to walk in fear, scared. Scared if I take this step here, am I wrong? Oh, what do I have to do here? How do I have to say my prayers? What am I supposed to do ritualistically? What kind of events am I supposed to participate in? Can I go to a birthday party? Am I allowed to do that? Can I celebrate Christmas? Am I allowed to do that? They become slaves to their religion. They become slaves to their religion. It's so dangerous. And they walk in fear for their entire walk in Christianity. Walking in fear of what if I mess up? But that doesn't make sense because I understand what the goal of Christianity is. And John tells us in 1 John chapter 5, he says, oh, actually in 1 John chapter 4. He says, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. That's what is, if I can get a Christian to realize that they are safe in Christ so they can start actually lifting their head up and looking forward, it will change their walk. And there are so many Christians that I've met and I've seen them go from doubting their salvation to having security in their faith. And they have grown dramatically because when you take away the fear you open up this person's ability to truly dive into things and learn what the father wants them to wants of them and, and live in their in their salvation i have not met a single person who goes from 
fear of losing salvation to eternal security and then just start sinning freely. It's the opposite. Because that's the thing people fail to realize. The people that love the Lord, they're aiming for the Lord. I, I, I hate when people say, oh, Mike, so you're saying that I can go out and get a bunch of Coke and strippers and this, this, and that. I can do whatever I want. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's not what I want. <laughs> yes, I can do whatever I want. And I want Jesus. Paul said what? All things are permissible, but not all things are good for me. We change our mindset from what do I have to do to what is this? What purpose does this serve? We go from can I do this to should I do this? We go from, you know, what am I doing to why am I doing it? Read the last two verses on Hebrews 10. Yes, ma'am. I wonder what she wants me to read. The last two verses, but my righteousness, one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and, pre and preserve their souls. I don't know why I said Uraz, the military in me. I'll tell you a verse that really, I don't know how someone who believes you can lose your salvation deals with this. And like I said, I can show you, people can cherry pick stuff all the time, but I can, I can show you eternal security in almost every, uh, uh, single book of the Bible, even Jude, which Jude doesn't even talk about salvation. Cause he opens it saying, I would love to talk to you guys about our common salvation, but we got to talk about these wolves. So he's not even talking about salvation, but he still adds it at the very end. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. If Christ is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless, how do we how do we read that and then tell people, hey, if you don't get your life all situated, then then you know, look, Jesus might say, "Depart from me, I never knew you." Depart from me, I never knew you. People love to throw that one out. I recently pointed out um, that dude uh, uh, that makes those videos, um, trying to like basically say, "Hey, come to compassion, whatever." And he does like a video once a week on Matthew seven twenty one. That is such a dangerous thing that people do. Such a dangerous thing that people do. You said verse 10. What's verse 10? But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they are, all that they like unreasoning animals understand instinctively. <laughs> Jude is a strong letter. Jude is one. If you've never read Jude, I highly recommend it. Let me just throw it out there. Um it's a beautiful letter. It's literally one letter. So like Jude is the only book in the Bible where when I say Jude verse five, I would say Jude five uh, because it's, there's no chapter one. It's one, it's one chapter or whatever you want to call it. I love verse five here though. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. He's literally talking about back in the, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the Exodus. He's putting Jesus as the one who led them out of Egypt. 
People talk about the apostles and all the different people in the Bible. No one thought Jesus was God. So explain what Jude was saying. When someone tells you that no one in the Bible believed that Jesus was God, explain what Jude was saying. Explain what Peter was saying. Explain what John was saying. Uh, 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 one Peter. What do I, I got requests in here. Let me see what the request takes me to. One, three. Oh, yes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. We can run through all of scripture and conquer fear. We must conquer fear because I promise you, when you can put that fear behind you, your walk will change immensely. I guarantee it. When you can wake up every day saying, Lord, I'm going to serve you today. I'm coming for what you need me to do today. You're not worried about where you step because you know the Lord is with you. You know you can walk in the fire because you're with him. You know you can walk on water because you're with him. We must aim for not fearing. And that's, I mean... Again, perfect love casts out fear. Um, yes, yeah. Constantly, I'm trying to remember where it says this at. Let me try and find something real quick. Uh, I believe it's in Corinthians. Yep, 2 Corinthians 13.5. So, you might say, okay, so what are we called to do then if we're basically saved by faith? So Paul makes something very clear. What? This isn't where I was going. Oh, I went to 1 Corinthians by accident. That's why I was about to say that's not where I wanted to go. So Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, listen to what he says. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. That's a tough one. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless, indeed, you fail to meet the test, I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. The main thing I wanted you to focus on right here, though, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. That's what we need to be doing, recognizing our own, analyzing ourselves. And we see this throughout scripture. First John is a great one. He tells us in first John chapter three, exactly how you can kind of re uh, reflect on your own heart. And I've told you all before, if you want confidence in your salvation, a great letter to read is 1 John. He writes this, excuse me, so that you can have salvation or that you can know that you have salvation. But listen to John right here. He says, by this we know. Oh, is this the right spot? Yeah. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Notice this question being asked. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. 
And then hear what he says. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. This is a self-reflection. Recognizing the spirit moving in you. He, he opens the entire letter like this. He says in the very beginning. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Because lots of people say one thing. But is the Holy Spirit moving in you? Are you feeling, are you, do you, are you driven to love people? Are you driven to be helpful when someone asks? I'm not sitting here saying that John is saying when you're driving down the street and you see a homeless person, do you stop every time? No, because you don't stop every time. This out of hand. He didn't say random people. He said that a brother asks you for help. If you have what, if you have what the world's goods are and someone that you know, someone that you love, Maybe even just a fellow Christian comes to you and says, I really need help. If you say no to them, John's just asking this. How does God's love abide in you? How? He's not saying you don't. He's not saying you're not saved. He's not judging all that stuff. People like to say you're judging. He's just asking a question. Sort of like when I run across people that say that they're a Christian, but they're pro-choice. So you're saying... That the love of God abides in you, but you're cool with abortion? Hmm. It's an interesting one. Very interesting. Compelling. Sadly, I've run into these people, and I have questions about that. Some serious questions about that. Like, I, I just don't understand how the Holy Spirit in someone isn't making it almost impossible to even speak those words. 1 Timothy 4.1 and 1 Timothy 6.20. Yes, this is 1 John. Let's see what our friend here is asking. 1 Timothy 4.20, I think. Oh, 4.1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Absolutely. Depart from the faith is not falling away from salvation when you were indwelt with the Holy Spirit, right? This is, I know that it's it's semantics, but at the end of the day, we have to understand something. You could be a member of the physical church and not be a member of the spiritual church. This goes all the way back to Jeremiah in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah 9, God says a time is coming when those who are merely circumcised of the flesh will be punished. Those that are not circumcised of the heart, right? And we understand that it's not water baptism that saves us, but baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the circumcision done not by human hands. But we have members in the body. John tells us about these. But John tells us about them in the sense that we understand that they were never of us. And I'll show you in, in Jesus' parables the same thing. So let's go to 1 John 2. But let's also open up Matthew 13. We actually read this yesterday as well on the um, live stream because we were talking about, you know, eternal security and whatnot. So if we go to Matthew 13, we see the parable of the sower. And he says, this, uh, uh, he said um, this is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So I want you to get this picture. We don't see people's hearts, right? So you and I don't know which flowers or which plants that grow from these seeds have a root in them. 
took root in them. All we know is we see someone who rejoices with joy. But if that person falls away, God, Jesus is telling you they had no root in himself. And what most likely happened is persecution or tribulation on account of the word. John also tells us to us in 1 John 2, what does he say? He says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. You understand? So if they left us, they were never of us. They were a member of the physical church. Matter of fact, let me say this right now. Jesus shows us that not everybody in the church is, is a born-again Christian. We see this in first. In, did I really just type in first revelation? <laughs> revelation uh, three. We go three. He says, to the angel uh, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, write the word of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He says, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I don't know if you guys know this, but dead is unsaved. Dead is unsaved. Dead is dead is not saved. Christ is the life and the light. In Christ is life. If you have Christ in you, you are alive in Christ. You have passed from death to life. Jesus is talking to a church and he's saying a bunch of you aren't in aren't really alive. You you have the reputation of it. People think you are, but you're dead. There are people in your church right now that have the reputation of being alive, but they are dead. Understand that. I saw someone ask, please tell me where the unconditional love was for Job. I don't understand your question. It was uh, absolutely uh, unconditional love because he lets him live. He lets all of us live every single day. See, Job understood exactly what our role is when it comes to God. Love isn't about all the net, uh, the extra things that happen in your life. Job says, uh, uh, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I think it's in Job 1, actually. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. All great things given are from God. Oh, you, you're saying it in the sense of those people that preach the unconditional love. I thought you were asking it like you legitimately wanted to see the unconditional love. And, and, and you're talking about the people that preach that false love that God's going to give you a, a, a plate of fresh fruits cut and let you sit on the balcony on a swing set. And that's how your life as a Christian is going to be. But yeah, he let his son suffer. He let Job suffer. He let he let many people suffer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you, Tahara. I'm glad you followed that up because I was a little confused where we were going with this. Um, we can do some questions real quick while we're sitting here. Uh, uh, tell me, when did Jesus say he would return? And is that the same as God's kingdom come? Don't just answer. If you don't know, say you don't know. Well, first of all, very interesting of your wording. Um, you asked the question and I'm going to answer it. First and foremost, no, we don't know when he'll return um, because we can't know when he returns. So he didn't say when he would return. Um, and as far as, uh, is that the same as, as God's kingdom? Yes. So God's kingdom is what we will all live in. His kingdom is here. It, it's, it's moving. We are members of his kingdom. 
and and this earth will pass away, heaven will pass away, and we will have a new uh, a new earth, a new kingdom, new Jerusalem, and it'll be amazing. So that's really all I can say about that. Other than that, I can only tell you what the Bible says, and and I don't know anything other than that. <laughs> don't know when to be back. Is it bad that I don't go to church anymore or want to go in person anymore because of past experiences? So is it bad, legit? No, because you're going through a moment and past experiences. I'll tell you what would make it bad. If you let those past experiences cause you to never look for a church again. Because yes, you need a moment. If you had some bad experiences, I get it. You need a moment away from that because you had those bad moments. Um, and, and, and I get that. However, don't let what Satan has done keep you from returning to the church. Let's see. Jesus said he would return in season into the hill. God said his kingdom is placed before you. This is scripture. Oh, so you didn't come in here to ask a question. You came in here to quiz me. I, I'm not going to sit here and talk about prophecies. As I said, the general answer is no one knows when he'll return. And that's where I ended at. So I don't know what you want to do. I don't want to have a debate. This isn't an invitation for that. Wait, so when it says many people in the are not alive, is it because they sinned? But I thought once saved, always saved. Please answer. No, it's saying that the people at that church are not believers. There are people in your church right now that are not believers. Look at me. There are people in your church right now that are not believers. Like the parable of the sower. There are people who, on whom the seed fell on rocky soil. It sprouts up for a little bit. But when it, on account of persecution of the word, they will leave. They will turn away. What do we do when we feel unworthy of forgiveness? Well, it doesn't matter what you feel about forgiveness. He has promised to forgive. And your sins are no worse than my sins. And he has forgiven mine. In fact, I would say that when you're not, when you can't forgive yourself, you're making it seem like you have a better standard than God because God forgave you. So why can't you forgive yourself? I don't understand why people will go to church for just appearances. Well, not just appearances. People also can go to church for other reasons. Uh, Helen, we have people, excuse me. We have people that go to church for selfish reasons. All right. We have people that go to church mainly because of selfish. Like I want this. I want that. It could be just self-preservation. It could be the benefits of being in a church with the community. Maybe they just want community and they're willing to look past the, 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 the religious part, which I know might sound crazy, but at the same time, does it really sound crazy? Oh man, I didn't realize how behind on comments I was. Let me go ahead and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. <laughs> I know, Andrew, people want to try and do it all the time. I, I love hearing that titanium woman. Amen. So, so happy to hear that. I'm afraid of being rejected again if I go to another church. And that's a legitimate fear. Um, at the end of the day, like I said, I'm not telling you to rush into it. What I'm telling you is, is grow in your faith, continue to walk with the Lord and get to know the Lord and read the scriptures. And when you're ready, test to try out a church. And it'd be awesome if you had a friend that could do that with you, a friend maybe looking for a church, or you have friends that already have a church and reach out saying, hey, I don't know, hop on Facebook or whatever you use and be like, hey, anybody got a church locally? I'm looking to try out a new church. I don't know your situation, but it's always best to find people to go with. Now, if you absolutely know nobody, 
then then next step will be, you know, maybe just trying a church out. It's not the church that I'm afraid of. It's the people in it. Well, we're all terrible, Sammy. We're all terrible. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. I get it. At the same time that I get it, I also have to say, like, we're all terrible. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, sexual sin is the worst. Makes you not want to read or pray. Then it's a vicious cycle. Yes, the uh, sin can drive you away from God. And that's the problem is that we need to remember that no matter how much we fail, we need to keep coming back from him because Satan's goal isn't just to get you to fall into sin, but it's to get you to fall away from him and turn away from him. Because whenever you're further away from the Bible, at least my experience, when I'm not in those seasons where I'm heavily in his word, my life is 10 times harder. I'm more stressed out. I'm more agitated. Uh, I, I don't have a grasp on everything going on. I'm just, it's just a worse moment in my life. And I've looked back and realized that these moments happen when I'm away from the word of God, when I'm away from really just praising his name. When I'm in these seasons, my life is great. In fact, you guys have been a blessing to me because this platform has forced me to be heavily, like heavily invested in the word, um, heavily, uh, you know, constantly praising his name. And so you've helped me grow my relationship closer to the Lord, right? Um, it, it's been a blessing from you guys to me. Why do people think you can lose your salvation? Pride. Pride is the number one thing. It comes into play. Why do they go to church if they are not believers? So nobody that's in the church and, and not really a believer just knows straight up that they're not believers. Again, Jesus teaches this uh, teaches us this with the parable of the sower. The problem is there are some people that never have their faith tested. Remember what we read about Paul? Paul said, test your faith. You know that? Paul says, test your faith. So therefore, if your faith is never tested, then you might not truly be in the faith. We can go into deeper on that uh, in the after show if you're hanging out. Ask, not quiz you. Bible says to answer. No, the Bible doesn't say that I have to answer anybody that wants to play games with me. The Bible says always be able to give an answer for the hope that's in you. I can give you the answer that's the hope that's in me, but we're not in the street. You're coming to this podcast and asking a question that clearly you feel like you knew the answer about. So you wanted to have a discussion about eschatology, but eschatology isn't the gospel and I'm focused on the gospel over here. So have a great day. God bless. Um, I'll pray for you, brother. Okay, I'm uh, just reading these comments as I'm going down, scrolling down and catching up, um, seeing how many more questions we can hit. Uh, da, 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 da. My parents believe that women can be pastors and my mother is considered a pastor. They don't believe me when I say God didn't design the role that way. What should I do? Well, at the end of the day, with them being your parents, you just rebuking them probably won't ever work because they're your parents. And as a parent, we naturally... I don't know what it is, but as a parent, it takes a lot for you to let a child correct you. My children ain't that old yet to really be correcting me, but I can already imagine if my son was to correct me, it would take a lot of humility and a lot of pushing my pride down to accept that correction, right, from a child. So seeing that you know that that's probably not going to work, um, if you can't have that conversation with them, then you kind of have to just pray for them, continue to love them and stand firm on what you say. So at the end of the day, like make it clear, like I don't agree, but it's not about pushing it. Stand firm on where, you, or where you're at with that. Um, but I agree. But here's another thing also. Nowadays, the word pastor has become so watered down that now every church has 12 pastors because they have a worship pastor, the, the children's pastor, the youth pastor, the young men pastor, the young women. Like, so if your mother's one of those pastors, like there's one main pastor, if those other people want to call themselves pastors. I'm at the point where just call yourself whatever you want, stay over there and have fun. But it's the one main pastor that I'm concerned about, the leader of the church. 
the head of the church, the shepherd. God forgave Paul. If he could be saved, any of us can. Yes, Paul said he's the chief of sinners. What do I do if I start not start if I what do I do if I start not to feel guilty after I sin? What does that mean? I mean, honestly, bro, I, I don't know. I mean, are there gonna be moments where you're feeling certain ways after sin? That's something that you're gonna have to walk through with the Lord. Um, I'm not I'm not able to tell you how to handle your convictions or or what kind of convictions you're supposed to have or how that walk is gonna be. What I will say this is we should aim not to sin and that there should be guilt in there. And if it's starting not to feel guilty, well, then you need to ask yourself why. And maybe you need to turn to the Lord and go deep in prayer, maybe fasting. Um, but that is no matter what between you and the Lord. I don't know where what I can tell you about doing that. Mike, I know all glory goes to God, but do you really think we were made strictly for God's glory? I'm having a hard time with this. I feel like God cares about us a lot. I'm just struggling with the understanding. So yes, we we're made for God's glory. So this idea like, well, I think God care. He does care about you a lot, but you were made for his glory. Everything in creation was made for his glory. Here's our problem. And, and this is this is what I want to make clear. We look at the world as it is today. So we see these businesses and cities and, and entertainment and teams and music. And so we see all these things that we want and we're for. So in our mind, it's like, you know, God should want me to be happy with all these things. But these things weren't here when he created us. He created us on this earth to be with him. We did all this in our, in our rebellion against him because we're no longer in his presence. We were cast away from his presence and then we're out in the world. So then we start creating, we start building, and that doesn't make anything wrong. But the point is, at the end of the day, all of this is just things we created during our rebellion. Like our goal should want to be back with him. And back with him, he can create all things like this. So it's not like we're leaving things. It's that we're going to the one that can give us the best things. But all glory, I mean, it's all about his glory. What do I do if I start? Now? I feel like I answered that one. Please stop spamming. Oh, okay. I haven't been to church in a while either, but I hope to someday find a new church. And I pray that for you guys as well. And like I said, I'll do my best to create a community here for your interim fellowship. If you have not, head over to the Discord server. Link is in the bio down below. Um, if you join us, it's 100% free. We're not asking you for anything. Um, it's a giant server, so it can be a little overwhelming at first. But we have Bible studies. We have uh, we have gender-specific groups. So we have a women's group and a men's group for you guys to have your separate conversations that don't need to be heard by the opposite gender. But we also have co-ed stuff. We have fellowship rooms, gaming, music, movies, Bible study. I already said that. Uh, reading, just all types of stuff. Absolutely free. Over 1,500 members. There's people in there at all times of the day because they're people from Africa and Asia and New Zealand and all types of stuff. Um, so just a great place to give you some type of fellowship because at the end of the day, JD and myself make this very clear. We are not your pastors. We are not your end goal. However, we will be here until you find it. We have no problem pastoring, but we are not your pastors. We have no problem uh, uh, supplying, creating a fellowship area, but we don't want this to be your reliance because no matter what, online can never be what it is in person. What I mean by that is I can go to church and my pastor can recognize something's not right with Mike. I need to talk with him. If I don't show up to church, Mike, my pastor could be like, hey, y'all haven't seen Mike and, and send someone to me. Um, um, there's people that can contact me on my cell phone at any time and check in on me. Now, does that mean we all need those things? No, because most of us just go to church, go home, blah, blah, blah. But when the extremes are needed, the in-person can handle it much better. Also, in-person churches often have more resources, especially than us. We're a very young ministry. Um, we can help people with small things, but we don't have large resources yet. Um, maybe one day.
Do you believe people can walk away from God and completely reject the salvation they originally received? No, absolutely not. Um, I believe that with God being outside of time, it would make no sense. What I mean by that is, so I believe that no matter what, hmm, check it out. We exist within time, so we're watching the process of everything. But what's the real truth? The only thing that matters is the day I stand before God, I'm either in Christ or out of Christ. And if I'm in Christ, I'm eternally saved. If I'm out of Christ, I'm eternally lost. Seeing that God is outside of time, he knows what the end looks like, which means he knows that I'm going to stand there eternally saved or eternally lost. Why would he allow someone to be born again, a new creation, indwelt with the Holy Spirit, sealed, and then when they reject it later, take all that back? He's not going to be surprised by it. So therefore, if you truly don't believe because you're eventually going to walk away, so your faith is still fickle in some area, and maybe it's not fully convinced, then you're just not, you don't really have your faith in God. But the only thing in you that would reject God dies when you come to him because your old heart is replaced with a new heart. Your old spirit is replaced with the Holy Spirit or infuses with you. You're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So your nature changes. So if there's anything in me still from my old life to walk away from Christ, then I must not be saved. What does 1 Timothy say? Or is it 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 2. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he, Christ cannot deny himself. Galatians chapter 2 says what? That if I have died with Christ, then, I have, then, then Christ, it, it is not I who is in me, but Christ who is in me. Right? If you truly are in Christ, it's him in you. It changes your nature. Things will change, and walking away is not an option. Sorry, trying to catch up with these comments. We're about to end here and hop over to TikTok in a moment because we're at that ending point. Trying to see if there's any comments that I have missed. How can I study the word like you? Just hang out with us and 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 pick it up. I mean, so I mean, I learned to study the Bible from studying with other people. How many TikTok followers you have now? Nope, we're not going to reach 500,000 by the end of the year. So I will not be eating a pickle on a live stream. We're nowhere near it. When we made this agreement, I was at like 350. I'm at like 360. I told y'all I had a moment where I, I, I rebuked the woman Jasmine and it blew me up 150,000 followers. Blew my mind. Didn't expect that to happen. Whatever. You guys thought this thing was going to keep you know going like that. So you're like, Mike, if you hit 500,000, no. No, it's not going to happen. I will not reach 500,000 and I hope I don't. I'm rooting against myself in this because I hate the fact that I jokingly said that nonsense to y'all. Like truly hate the fact that I said that nonsense. I'm over here like, please, no. I will delete my account at 499,999 if it happens. Does attending church online every week, same one count as church attendance? No, because the it's not about going to church to hear a message because you can hear a message online. The important thing for your, and again, you don't, you're no one's sitting there saying you're not saved if you don't do this. What I'm saying is if you want the benefit of church, then you have to go to church. And the benefit of church is, that fellowship and accountability and the church hierarchy and resources and things like that. No one knows you if you're just an online user. Maybe your church does have a way to connect with the online people. I don't know. All right. I'm trying to see if there's any other comments. Oh, my troll left after I didn't answer his question. I was hoping he added another comment here. Oh my gosh. Am I that far behind on comments? Jeez. Oh my goodness. Bro, I've been talking to y'all in the past. I'm just realizing that. Can you please rebuke King Jesus Dallas Ministry? Uh, tag me in their videos. I have no problem rebuking people if you throw it in my tags and uh, we'll get there. 
We both, we still have a Super Bowl bet. What that the Cowboys won't make it? Okay, I won. Like Justin, look at me. I'm bringing the microphone down my level. Justin, I'll do this AM, ASMR style. I'm not win that bet. My ASMR career is already over, just like that. It came, it went, it's gone. It came, it went, it's gone. All right, I think we're at that good stopping point. Um, yeah, 1030. So this is the hour and a half mark. So uh, uh, what was the score of the sales game? Oh, we had a loss. Y'all lost to the Eagles, bruh. Y'all lost too, bruh. So you ain't got no room to talk. I ain't never met anyone that talks trash when their team lost. Normally that makes you shut up. Like my team lost, so I'm not talking trash to you. I didn't hit you up like, yo, Cowboys suck because I lost. That's like an unwritten rule of football trash talk etiquette. You can't talk if you're coming off a loss. It don't matter if it's one point or 100 points. An L is an L. They all shape like this. That's it, bruh. Oh, refs took that one. You hear him? Justin over here blaming the refs. Hey, yo, we ending this live stream right here. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining in on this one. We are sorry that it was weird, but hey, you got two and a half hours because JD is in Africa and I'm in, in America and we just messing up the time zones, but we will discuss it. Be planning for Wednesday to be a different time. I have a feeling maybe we'll bump it down to eight o'clock. We'll see. Um, maybe 8.30. I don't know. We'll definitely have to figure this out because I have a life as well and I've got situations, but uh, make sure you guys are following or subscribe to whatever the term is. Make sure you're doing it. Make sure that you guys hit those buttons down there that make us look good, whether it's like, whatever that be. You know, I'm not a TikToker. I'm not a YouTuber. I'm just a guy that loves the Bible. I love Jesus and I'm online. So uh, press the things that you're supposed to press. Make sure you click the bell and all that. I'll see you guys over on TikTok for a little after show. We'll cover some topics and hang out over there. And if you don't hop over there with us, then I'll see you guys next. When, 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 oh, it's Monday. I'll see you guys in two days on Wednesday. God bless as always and go. Oh, look at that. I had a moment. That messed up my entire tagline and everything. Can we start it over? Are you guys okay if I do that? All right. <laughs> God bless and go in peace. <laughs>